Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got a husband and wife team, Kristen and Philip Risk. They're both the co-founders of Frankly Organic Vodka, and on the show today, one, when we're recording, is their 25th anniversary, so happy 25th anniversary, guys. But two, we talk a lot about how they met selling luggage and other types of consumer packaged goods, their backgrounds going from those early days in the sales organizations into marketing and many other twists and turns along the way, to how that brought them to founding a vodka company and what's unique about, frankly, organic vodka. We talk about the liquor industry. It's not an easy industry to survive and thrive in, and they're making an exception of that. And we talk about their expansion and marketing plans going from two states in 2018 when they launched to 13 over the 2020 period and the pandemic and doubling their business during that time. Their current expansion plans of going after 45 states and expanding rapidly. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kristen and Philip Risk. Kristen and Philip, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Alan, for having us. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's not every day I get to have a husband and wife team on. And uh, so this is going to be a fun show, I think. <laughs> we have to start with how, how, how did you both meet? So shortly after college, uh, about 1992, uh, Philip and I met at our first real job, which was Samsonite Corporation. Philip was actually working in D.C. at the time, and I was in New York. And uh, we were both at a sales training program in Denver, Colorado, which was the headquarters of Samsonite. Was it love at first sight or were they, you know, were you annoying competitors? Like, I'm just curious. <laughs> what was the? Well, uh, for me, it was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> for me as well. What's ironic, though, I'll start by saying that um, actually today is our 25th wedding anniversary. So uh, it's been 25 years. So a special day for us. Thank you for spending it with me. I, I feel extraordinarily uh, lucky today. So you both met at Samsonite and were you both in marketing and sales? How, how did that work? So we were both in sales at the time. We had just come out of college and uh, we had gone into their sales training program. So we got a nice understanding of consumer products. It was our introduction to consumer products. And uh, they really did a fabulous job of, of teaching us um, really so many aspects of business in general. Now you're both in the vodka business. How it seems like a long, strange trip potentially from <laughs> Samsonite luggage to vodka. Why start a vodka company or where, how did you even get the idea to start a vodka company? After Samsonite, Philip and I married, we had a family. And then in our mid 40s, uh, we w began to run marathons and engaged in really a healthier lifestyle. I love to cook. So I was cooking with functional ingredients and some interesting ingredients. And but something that always took place after our daily workouts was a daily wellness shot. And uh, we really never gave much thought to the drinks we were drinking on the weekends. We really just kind of focused on eating a healthy lifestyle, having a healthy lifestyle Monday through Friday. And on the weekends, we never really gave much thought to it. And it really kind of just jogged our, our brains. And uh, we knew we wanted to do something different. So, Alan, you know, Samsonite really provided us a, a, a nice, strong foundation. We were both in sales roles, but it was a very marketing driven company. And after Samsonite, um, really for the last 29 years, I, I, I go back and look at how many years I've actually been doing this and I, it continues to surprise me, but holding various sales and marketing roles and Samsonite really gave us a strong platform at the time, really strong management, you know, dominant position in the, in the space. And obviously the, the retail climate was much different because you had a lot of department stores, many more you know, retail mass merchandisers and so forth. But I left Samsonite, went to work for General Electric, similar, still consumer products, and then kind of shifted into Con Edison Solutions, which was the time that they were actually um, deregulating utility. And that was um, a transition that was I was pulled from a person in GE. But then kind of my career shifted and really, as I mentioned earlier, I really liked the product development piece, which is, I would say, is my passion. And and got into some Far East sourcing with some foreign companies. And this was in the early 80s, you know, when the People's Republic of China had granted these uh, free market zones. There was only a few market zones in China where you could actually do business. <clears throat> and during this time, I was working with a couple import companies and we provided products for Walmart and Target, really developing their whole private label program. So that's 
was kind of early in my career. And then at that point, the corporate world really didn't align with my personal goals. Uh, I ventured out and Kristen and I kind of started our own company. That was 2006. And that still operates. But, you know, after doing that for you know, upwards of 15, 16 years, you know, we're always exploring new opportunities. So we had been exploring kind of the food and beverage space, which was really, as Kristen mentioned, more in line with kind of our personal interests. And saw this huge growth in organic, you know, food and functional food and beverage, um, which was really just starting to, you were just starting to see mainstream. But, you know, we were drinking our kombuchas daily and, and the cold pressed juices. And then after researching a little bit further, we were kind of going down that path and kind of shifted into the spirit space after realizing that basically there were no organic spirits out there. And there was absolutely no transparency in the space. So we kind of found it a little bit unsettling, not knowing really what was in the beverages we were drinking. Uh, we also knew that, you know, a big part of the issue that alcohol has is what, you know, both manufacturers and consumers were mixing with it. You know, you've got the artificial colors and flavors and things like that. So, which is really outside of our comfort level. So, you know, we started to just brainstorm on opportunities. We spent a long time researching the the food and beverage space itself and then seeing how that would translate into the spirit space. It's interesting though, you know, when we, after we got to that point, we thought, well, this, you know, we can develop this on our own. Well, we quickly realized we couldn't. There's a little bit more involved, but we knew the flavor profiles. We knew the ingredients that we wanted to put into them. Uh, and we ended up hiring a local juice expert in Arizona. And she started one of the first cold press juice companies. And we just made juice for literally like seven months. And then we worked on uh, with the lab to kind of help develop that. And that's, that's kind of how it came to fruition. So it's really, we, we didn't expect to be sitting here talking to you about vodka. <laughs> well, it sounds like a nice story, so to speak, in terms of like later in life venture after the corporate world, doing it together, husband and wife team, building off of what you're daily habits were already with talking about your, your wellness routines, um, and, and focusing on ingredients of the things that you're ingesting yourself. I'm curious though, the notion about starting with juice, what was it? That seems, I, I don't know. I I've never developed a spirit in my life, but like why start with the juice part? Vodka space is your, what they call kind of your straight or original vodka. That's about 70% of the market. And about the same time, about five years prior, there's this huge influx of flavored vodkas, almost to the point where it was detrimental to the industry because it started with one company putting a little bit of juice in theirs and kind of marketing it as, you know, real juice. And then you saw all the brands come in and it just really became confectionery, you know, just kind of silly flavors. So when we tried these, we literally had all the samples, you know, we did some focus groups to get feedback and we realized that the baseline was so low with regard to having a really good product that somebody would really like. I mean, when you taste a strawberry, you expect it to taste like strawberry versus, you know, maybe a Jolly Rancher or something like that. So we knew that that was kind of the spin was the flavor aspect. It's very difficult to obviously differentiate an original vodka. And our whole push was pushing it towards the functional ingredients, the turmeric, the ginger, the maca root, and kind of creating that better for you uh, alternative for consumers. Let's talk about organic vodka. And like, 
just hit on the on the head of it, if you will. Like, what makes your vodka unique? Quite frankly, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think the co-founders, and I also wanted to mention, we do have another partner. His name is Ken. And he was part of the development of the product as well. And he actually, his background came from the the finance side of some um, other spirits companies. But all three of us really recognize while in the development stage that we had to differentiate the liquid uh, in order to be successful. And so the first thing we wanted to do was create a functional vodka, meaning we wanted to use ingredients like turmeric root maca root, wild cherry bark, and ginger root to create really deep flavored profiles. And then furthermore, we utilize all real fruits, roots, and botanicals as well. So our whole motto is we like real. And when you taste it, it tastes real, like Philip said. The second reason is that makes us different is that we chose to be fully transparent on our label. Uh, The spirits industry doesn't uh, mandate labeling on alcoholic uh, beverages. We chose to have our nutritional facts and an ingredient list for full transparency uh, because today's consumers are more mindful of what they drink and they also value transparency. And then furthermore, uh, our products are USDA certified organic, um, and that is definitely a differentiating factor. Uh, which basically means we don't use any genetically modified seeds or synthetic pesticides, herbicides, or fertilizers. We also support organic farmers and engage in sustainable agriculture, which you know has a positive impact on our environment. And then I think lastly, which is really one of my favorite parts about Frankly, is our philanthropic mission, which is Frankly loves Fido and we give back 1% of revenue to animal welfare organizations. We use real ingredients, transparent label, functional ingredients, and our uh, support of the environment and philanthropy. One of the, you know, when we were developing this product and really trying to not be just another vodka, I mean, it's probably the last category you'd want to enter you know, with, a, with a Me Too product. You know, the branding was really important. So we literally, when we're trying to figure out what are we going to call this, we spent about five months, multiple rounds of naming. And um, we ended up with, frankly, organic vodka, frank meaning, you know, to speak frankly is to speak honestly. So uh, we did a lot of reviewing the market. You know, when you walk down the aisle, you've got all these different brands with all these crazy bottle looks. And we really wanted to differentiate. So we did that on the label. We did it on the bottle and then we did it with the brand itself. And we, we really feel like the name kind of hits all the points in our brand DNA, DNA pyramid. It's, you know, it's straight, it's honest, it's to the point. It has memorability. It's definitely different than anything in its set, you know, so we got that ownability piece and it's repeatable. So it's, it's catchy, you know what I mean? And people, People find themselves, even when we're talking to people such as yourself, you know, the word frankly comes up all the time. So it's, it's fun. It definitely hangs together. It makes sense given what, what's inside the bottle and love the idea of the nutritional label on the outside of your vodka bottle. Um, cause most people never know what's in there. Um, starting in the liquor industry. I mean, that it just seems like it's hard from the get go. Like it's regulated. Each state, at least in the United States, distribution is a challenge because it's so locally regulated as well. 
what's been that journey? What has the journey been like for you guys? We thought with our experience in consumer products, we'd just roll right out and be successful. Well, we clearly underestimated the intricacies of the three-tier system. And more importantly, you know, our reliance on our dis- distribution partners, as well as, you know, quite frankly, the, the simple power of the spirit companies, because they really do dominate this space. And then you take that a step further, you have to have an individual distributor for each state. So, you know, where we're accustomed to working with a Walmart and you go into the stores and you're nationwide or regional or what have you, this is a state by state business. And, you know, when your focus is on retail, the, you're reliant on distribution. You know what I mean? So you can't go to a Walmart if you're only in two states because they want you in all their states. So it's definitely been a challenge, the biggest challenge I think we've had. And then obviously also with the distributor themselves, when we first launched, you know, we thought we were going to roll right out and everybody was going to want the brand. Well, in Texas, the two largest distributors both declined our brand. So here we are ready to launch. Everything's queued up and ready and we didn't have a distributor. So we were kind of scrambling and we ended up moving forward with the small wine distributor that first year. And, you know, fortunately, we've continued to do a lot of the heavy lifting with regard to sales, you know, because as a young brand, but we had a really strong launch and quickly outgrew their capabilities. And, and at the same time, you know, we're noticed by the big distributors. So uh, we were approached by both of them. And then we actually signed a nice national distribution agreement with Southern Glacier and really couldn't be more thrilled. So we're in the midst of kind of rolling that out to all their 45 states and kind of working closely with them to nourish that partnership as we can continue our expansion plans. So, I mean, you, you guys are, for listeners, you're located in Austin, Texas, I believe. You are not the only vodka company in Austin, Texas. We aren't. <laughs> but we are Austin's first organic vodka. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Kristen. That's awesome. It's not just that it's vodka. It's a hard category to differentiate in, especially if you're just going against you know original vodka. But you're in Texas. You're also in a town where there's another large vodka company you didn't make it easy on yourself well we did you know there was some rationale to austin and just so you know there's also another very big large brand in texas as well beyond the major one so we're surrounded by plenty of friendly competitors but you know it also for us it was a it was a market that allowed us to get the talent we needed you know for our production uh, we actually have our master distiller is from one of those companies. So that's, that really brought us a lot of, uh, know-how and allowed us to kind of ramp up our capacity quickly and, you know, and using our network there. And, and it's a great city, you know, in terms of if you're going to start a, a vodka or spirits business, it's not so easy, you know, when you get outside of certain markets just due to, you know, the, the legal rules and, and so forth. So this, this was a market that we were allowed to able to get in quickly you know, get licensed and build a nice team. I think also too, that, you know, we knew we were up against that, you know, our facility in Austin. And so we had to position ourselves as something different and that differentiating factor is better for you option. So with all those characteristics that I previously spoke about, we own those. And um, that's what really sets us apart from our friendly competitors in Austin. I'm sure the flavor profiles that you guys are coming up with help a lot as well, because um, 
I think everyone probably listening to this has had some really bad flavored vodkas in the past. <laughs> and more so you realize it the next day because of all the sugar that's in them most likely. But um, it's an interesting concept that you guys have. You guys, you know, you've got this product launched, you're growing. Tell me about your growth and expansion so far and where where you are and kind of how you're attempting to get your fair share from the big guys. With COVID and everything that's been going on, surprisingly, you know, the spirit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The industry was actually up 7% last year. A lot of that skewed more towards the retail segment, which was actually up 18% versus what they call the on-premise, which is your bars and restaurants, which is down. You know, we launched in two states in 2018. In Q1 2020, which was just pre-COVID, we were in the midst of a 13-state expansion, which certainly, you know, threw in some challenges in terms of rolling out into those 13 states when we were essentially shut down. But we've kind of weathered that storm and kind of kept our head down, and we're now in the midst of a 45-state expansion. Our whole expansion has really been based on Two things, the market demographics, kind of looking at what are those organic hotspots and our consumers that we're kind of looking to target. Um, so when you think about hotspots like Austin and Denver and areas in California and Seattle and South Florida, things like that. And then we kind of overlay that with our retail channel strategy, which is, you know, you've got different laws by state. So in a lot of those states, you can sell spirits in a grocery store. So we call that a chain state. So that's was really important for us knowing that that was a big focus. So we've kind of remained focused on these retail placements, kind of chipping away at some of the regional ones to try to get that national distribution and really focusing on aided awareness and trial rate. Trial rate's a big piece for us. So our marketing plan is heavily overweighted, you know, as a, for a small company as a percent of revenue with a major focus on what we call liquid to lips, right? Consumer tastings, because you have to get people to try the product and it's otherwise you're sitting on the shelf with a sea of vodkas. So that's a big focus for us. We've always are positioning ourselves as a better for you option. We're, we're seeing that shift now, which, you know, really was late to come to the spirits. It's everywhere else in, in uh, retail and consumer products. So I do feel like we were definitely well ahead of this shift. You know, a couple other things that have been able to kind of play in our favor is shopping local, allowing customers to support rather sustainability 
and purchase organic products is certainly a trend. And we're also seeing kind of the younger demographics negatively responding to kind of the globalization um, by trying to purchase local when you see that everywhere. So that's been really three things that have kind of fell in our favor. One of the biggest challenges, though, that we have and our investors ask, and I get asked this quite often, you know, what's your biggest challenge? And it's finding good people and recruiting, you know, top talented professionals. It's, you know, building a strong team, especially at this growth stage is, is imperative. So we're trying to plan ahead, but we're, we're, we continue to find that it takes a lot longer to find the people that you need to really provide you the, the resources to continue to grow. The levers that you've found to accelerate distribution, this is my words, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Philip, but like the scaling buttons, so to speak, with like trying to find those chain states um, or, you know, where you can maybe get a slightly more acceleration in the early, early years. Um, is that fair to say that like that's kind of critical to getting a mass accumulated to some degree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to, you have to win in your home state, right? So, you know, that's always the focus. So if you look at, you know, our marketing spend, our advertising plan, digital marketing efforts, heavily overweighted in Texas and, you know, some of those earlier markets uh, that we launched. And, you know, because when you're launching the new markets, it takes, it takes a long time to get traction and, and placements and things like that. So, as a small company with a limited budget, you know, you have to put whatever funds you have to the best use. And, and we just try to always make sure that we don't lose sight of our core market. And I think also too, part of the growth and expansion, Philip and I, you know, we come from the retail background as well. And so that is where our expertise is. And it's where the majority of our revenue comes from as well, that the off premise and so I think that's something that has helped us grow as well. But I think really just grit and grind once we're in a state, like Philip said, the liquid to lips. And now that events are open and festivals, attending those and being able to be in front of a consumer and tell our authentic story and go through that tasting, um, we usually win over our customers that way because People are really surprised at how amazing, frankly, tastes. To build on that point, Alan, you know, it's common in this space to have the big spirit companies support, you know, the large music festivals and events like that. We kind of take a different approach. We, we'd rather do 10 smaller events where we can actually engage with the customer. You know, a lot of it geared around food and wine and culinary and, and wellness and things like that because when you get a chance to have the dialogue with the customers in a tasting face to face and tell them the story and and we always force them to listen to the story before they get to try the product. <laughs> you know, it's not just a free drink. You gotta hear the pitch, right? We do that and it, it works just because, you know, once they taste it and hear a brand and so forth, it, it goes a long way. And it's it, it's great because we do these events and then you see an immediate uptick at retail, you know, so people People try the product, they like the brand, and then they go out and support it. Just the transition that you talked through, starting with two states, then you're know, trying to push to 13 right as the pandemic year started. Now you're in a 45-state expansion. How, I mean, that's a lot of change just in a very, in my opinion, a short amount of time. Like, how has your, 
have you had to shift your go-to-market strategy or, or marketing in general? I mean, obviously you're trying to support a lot more markets now, but I'm just curious if there's anything else that you'd point to you've had to shift along the way. We shift a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we are always pivoting. Think about it. You know, we we went from two to 13. We were so excited. Q1 2020, we hiring 11 people on top of two. So you go from, you know, two sales managers to 11. This is just on the sales side. And then COVID hits. So, you know, you were a startup and cash is king. And, and all of a sudden you got this payroll of uh, 11 people on here and um, you just brought them on board and then uh, the world changed. And it was tough, but, you know, we, we stayed the course, you know, we didn't let anybody go. We kept the team in place. It was, there were some dynamics there, you know, with our distribution partners, as you would expect, right? So they, they had adjustments to their team and, you know, they weren't able to go out in the market. So we were kind of on our own, but it's, it's definitely forced us always review. And, and, you know, now we're kind of coming out of COVID. So what are we doing now? Well, we're shifting where we weren't able to do the events and, and some of those, you know, grassroots marketing efforts that we we've been doing from the beginning that's helped build the brand. And now we're again, pivoting back towards that aggressively, very aggressively. And I think during COVID as well, you know, because our, our focus was on the retail sector um, and we weren't so much in the bars and restaurants, it didn't affect us as much as um, some of the other companies that are more established. So we continue to grow. And um, so that was, that was in our favor. I agree. And uh, as I put that in my head together as well, that, you know, you guys had kind of a retail strategy, which I don't know if it was planned or just luck, but like it magical that like, you know, the, the sector that was growing was people buying at store and bringing home to make drinks during this period. It was kind of magical for you. I mean, you, you do have to take that with a grain of salt now and though. So right when we launched those additional states, although we were retail focused, we weren't in those states yet. We were just trying to launch and then those states essentially shut down. So that, you know, that did put us back you know, at least nine months, we actually ended up still doubling our business in 2020, which is, which is really positive and even, even stronger numbers on the new account base and so forth. But you have to always be willing to shift and we're always assessing. I mean, now it's to the point where we're quarter to quarter, just based on, you know, the changing dynamics and how imperative it is when we get new distribution to make sure that that distribution is successful. I mean, that's only the first part getting on the shelf. And then, then what are you going to do? So that's really when it begins. And I think retailers were still planning their businesses, knowing that we were going to one day be in a better position. And um, retailers did notice us during COVID. And uh, we were able to capture the attention of several of them, including a partnership, a national partnership with Whole Foods, which uh, is really you know, that organic and natural grocer that is such a, a great partner for Frankly. It's a natural fit <laughs> for the two brands to go together. If you're looking back on this experience that you guys have been on together, anything surprise you? Any lessons learned that going to start your next spirit company next week? What, what do you think? <laughs> you know, looking back, I think things that surprised me, you know, when you look at the category, spirits in total. And then, you know, you've certainly seen, you know, the huge growth in ready to drink, for example, 
So that whole level of convenience, and it's interesting because we were looking at kind of these ready to drink seltzers and so forth. And, you know, this was eight years ago, seven years ago. And, you know, the numbers were just not good, but, you know, that's turned the industry upside down. So now we kind of find ourselves in a position where we had a plan, you know, to do that, but, you know, the state rollouts and, the, you know, just simply the ramp up, you know, we haven't been able to do that. So we do now understand how important that is, you know, with regard to new product development, always having that channel of new products coming out with a roadmap. So that's something that we've definitely taken note of. This has been fantastic. And I, frankly, you're scaring me away from the, the spirits industry. <laughs> I've always wanted to have my own, you know, spirits company. I don't know why, but uh, maybe it just sounds fun. But it, it, it's a lot of hard work and you guys are making it work and you're growing and kudos to the success that you guys have had to this point. And I'm sure there's much more coming. But I want to switch gears and get to know you guys each a little bit more behind the behind the scenes, behind the brand, so to speak. And one of my favorite questions, which I, I think I'll just ask both of you is, you know, has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? For myself, I grew up overseas in Italy, Taiwan, Spain, and Switzerland. Uh, I, I left the United States when I was seven, came back when I was 17. And I think being exposed to the world and being culturally privileged, it, it, it really opened my eyes to so many different things, whether it was food or drink, religion, cultures, all of those things have really molded me and really, I guess, really has defined who I am today. It, it really has had a, a positive impact on my life and grateful for it. So I couldn't have asked for it. It was, you know, it was part of my dad's job. I guess they say opposites attract because my background's a little different. You know, I was born in, in the Midwest in Indiana. And for me, it's really my upbringing was just work ethic. You know what I mean? So it's, I think that's been a key factor and where I am today. And, you know, in terms of the willingness to learn on the job. So, you know, every job that I took, you know, I, I exploited those jobs to, to better understand all aspects of the business. You know, I mean, my, my, my degree is in marketing, but, you know, I started in sales and I find myself kind of really focused on marketing and product development. So, I think that's key is to kind of look at where you go, you know, throughout your career and, you know, the willingness to learn, learn on the job and, and explore other options. You guys do sound very compatible with your experiences and backgrounds, rounding each other out in various ways. What advice would you give your younger selves if you're starting all over again? I think just living in the present, not always thinking about those next steps and just really enjoying life, having, having, having awareness. We're both, you know, now that we're in our early fifties, you know, trying to reassess where we're at and identify what's really important. I, I think going back really, and it kind of sounds you know, standard to say this, but really trying to follow your passion and not chase the money. You know, I think it's so easy to begin in a profession kind of remain in your field because you're, you're moving up and so forth. But uh, to have that foresight to really reevaluate where you're at and are you even happy, you know what I mean? And, and be willing to make that change. And you read more and more about that daily where people have just decided that 
they may be hugely successful, but they're not fulfilled or happy and they make dramatic career changes. During the last year, 18 months as well, I think a lot of people have reevaluated what's important to them as well. So it's not only a life stage, I think it's a, a worldwide thing right now that's going on. You know, a couple more marketing-ish related questions. I'm curious if there's a topic that, you know, either of you believe that marketers should be learning more about right now. Well, I think we both recognize that the marketing field is ever-changing, but the goal of gaining attention of consumers always remains the same. And that being said, I think digital marketing is uh, one topic that I believe marketers need to learn more about. I am not an expert, I will say, in digital marketing, um, but I think the geo-targeting of locations and consumers are imperative. Uh, and then utilizing those analytics and to learn and, and pivot. Curious if there's brands or companies or causes that you guys take notice of on a personal level. You think about kind of the inspiration for Frankly with my wife being such an amazing chef and everything's from scratch and, and so forth. And so now you're really starting to see this whole shift towards kind of localized food driven by both small restaurants and farmers markets and, and so forth. And we just absolutely love, you know, going to the farmers market and literally buying as much as we can from there for the week. But, you know, so many benefits in terms of, you know, connecting the food producers and consumers in the same region. And then you kind of less relying on that national big corporate food network, which I think provides for, you know, a better quality of food and then certainly strengthens the local economy. So I think that's fantastic. We really, we're really all about that. Last question for you is, what do you feel like is the largest opportunity or potentially threat that marketers are facing today? Today's consumers, they definitely demanding. They want to clearly embrace the company itself, you know, their ethos, and they want to know how the product's made, and they want to know what is their social responsibility and, and who's behind the brand and transparency. So I think it's really important that marketing leaders and entrepreneurs, they do their due diligence early in the stages of kind of defining their marketing strategy. And this, whether this is a product or service, it doesn't really matter, but, you know, focusing on the consumer and really finding a way that they can differentiate. I don't think in today's climate that you can do a me too product anymore. I think it's just, it really has to be unique because especially with, you know, the way the global world is opening up, you know, with China and so forth, it's, it's, you can quickly find yourself just in a price game. So really making sure that you're, you're spending the time and effort, not only on the product, but also on the message and the cause. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 